0: Okay, well, take a deep breath let me let me pray and uh, so thanks for being here this morning Father, a few minutes ago, we were watching some videos by Rich Mullins about the Apostles' Creed and the color green and the desire to be held as it were by Jesus and his comfort for us in the gospel and These are just reminders, Lord, this morning that we're down here trying to um, often fly by the seat of our pants or wing it and try to figure out your will for us. And we are grateful for the Holy Scriptures. We are grateful for your Holy Spirit. We are grateful for your Holy Son. We are grateful for your Holy Gospel uh, that draws us together. And the thing that, that holds us in common this morning is that we are here because of the gospel of Jesus. And so please uh, bless our brother, calm his spirit, and help him as he um, uh, comes before us to talk more about eldership and in view of the re-examination of Ben and myself. And I uh, just pray that you would give him your help this morning. Thank you for everyone who's here. Thank you for those who are on their way. And uh, just thank you that uh, we plan our steps, Lord, but you are the one who ultimately directs them. We ask in Jesus' name.
1: All right. Well, as Stephen mentioned, got locked in at the Gaylord Opryland. The bellhop service apparently does not exactly skip to my loo over at that place. And uh, we were sitting there going, how much window do y'all need to get up to this room? And so anyways so here we go let me get open here all right so last time i suggested this understanding this definition uh of what an elder is that Elders, overseers, pastors—which we understand. Oh, yes. Oh, my sunglasses. Thank you. Y'all thought that was funny, didn't you? Okay. It's better than having a booger hanging out of my nose or something. Okay. that's maybe I'll get edited out. I know. Um, elders, overseers, pastors are God-ordained shepherds of local churches primarily responsible for guarding and promoting the spiritual health, teaching, and macro level leadership of the church. And last time we spent time in three passages, primarily one in Hebrews 13, one in Acts 20, and one in 1 Peter 5, trying to walk through those things. Um, And so briefly, I just want to mention these because we're going to, we will get more into these particular elements. But we see a picture in Acts chapter 11 of them stewarding finances. We got to that one last time, where the, the gift is actually brought to the elders there in Acts 11. In Acts 15, the so-called Jerusalem Council, the elders were combined with the apostles, were, were set to judge the theological issues related to the Gentiles coming in. It wasn't just the apostles saying, hey, we're here, we're taking over. The elders were involved in that. They provide counsel and resolve conflict, just like in Acts 21. 18 through 25, let me just turn there briefly. Let's read this one part here.
0: Next one. Yes.
1: yes. On the following day, Paul went in with us to James, and all of the elders were present. And after greeting them, he related one by one the things that God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. and you move on through that passage, and they're trying to understand, okay, what practical guidelines should we follow? What should we put what kind of burdens, if any, should we put on these Gentiles? And what they come away with is, do therefore, verse 23, what we tell you. We have four men under a vow. Take these men and purify yourself along with them and pay their expenses so that they may shave their heads. Thus, all will know that there is nothing in what they have been told about you, but that you yourself also live in observance of the law. And they say, but as for the Gentiles who have believed, We've sent a letter with our judgment that they should abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood for what has been strangled and from sexual immorality. So again, they're giving practical counsel here even to the apostle Paul. What's going on? Um, They teach, elders teach and guard the doctrine of the church. Again, we will definitely, you see that 1 Timothy and Titus passage, we will get back into that. And then finally, they manage and administrate the activity of the church at a macro level level, the uh, over not, not, not to be confused with the micro level of doing all the tiny things. There's quite a bit of delegation, but they are kind of the overall supervisors of what is going on there, okay? And we will press into some of those things in, uh, a little bit more. Any questions before I jump into the, the, the next section about the nature of an elder, a, de- a definition of an elder, which I'm sure you could define it a couple different ways. Any other questions about that? Okay, well, so what we also see in the New Testament is a plurality of elders. I want to walk through this briefly. A plurality meaning that there is more than one. That there is more than one. And I have these up here for you. And uh, there's elders bolded up here. Yeah, perfect. So in Acts 15, the apostles partner with the elders, plural, of the Jerusalem church to decide what to do in light of the Gentiles. James urges those who are sick to call the elders, plural, of the church, singular, for anointing with oil and prayer. Paul sees to it that elders are appointed in every church. Elders, plural, church, singular, founded as a result of his first missionary journey. When he gets back on his way back, that's what he does. I want to point out something, though. Notice that in this case, uh, that elders are appointed after these churches are founded. Despite not having yet reached completeness or full maturity, these churches are still considered genuine churches prior to having elders. That's an important point. He is going back in the churches that he planted on the first missionary journey, and he is installing elders. So the church obviously pre existed, therefore, the elders. Okay? and that's that's important because you have some people who kind of go overboard with the role of elder or if you don't have elders you're not you're not a real church i, I, I don't see that how do would you how do you how would you explain these examples i don't think you'd be able to paul meets the elders of the church at ephesus in 20 and later instructs timothy about the elders who teach and rule well there Paul greets the overseers, remember term interchangeable with elder, pastor, the overseers and deacons at the church at Philippi. Titus is instructed to appoint elders in every city town around Crete. And then when writing to churches scattered throughout five Roman provinces, Peter exhorts the elders to shepherd a flock of God. So the idea of a plurality is an idea of team leadership. I have team leadership. There is Shared giftedness. Uh, There is, there is, there, there is. Excuse me. Shared authority. There is different levels and abilities. There are um, different burdens. There are different just skills. There are different time commitments. And so, when you have a plurality, you're able to. Everyone can play to their strengths, um, and therefore, hopefully, be able to cover up and even ensure up their weaknesses, so that it's not. It doesn't all just fall on one person. And there are plenty of single elder churches. Many of you know. I mean, I, I know many pastors who are single elder. And when I talk with them, you know what all of them say, without exception. I wish I had another elder, at least one more. It's so hard as being the only guy. Okay, and no one knows that. Uh, uh, yeah, well, yeah. No one, no one knows that. You can't know that feeling until you're in it in one sense, which means that I can't know that feeling because I've never been in it. I'm very thankful that I always had um, Stephen and Ben. Um, so so the idea of a plurality is something that we see pretty clearly in the New Testament, not to be confused with you can't have a single elder mob. That, that's not it. It's not saying that that's somehow unbiblical. But the norm that we happen to see is not to the elder and, and deacons at Philippi. It is to elders and it is a council of elders to have that, that division of labor, the, the, the sharpening, the combination of different skills and spiritual gifts, etc. Any questions about a plurality of elders? Seems fairly, I mean, I, I guess there's not a ton to say there because that's just right off the pages of the New Testament. But any questions about a plurality? Why that makes sense? any of these passages. Yeah? Well,
0: I uh, think it's not a question about the problem between the benefit the practical benefit that I've seen is that churches that have only had one pastor frequently get yes. the, the, church, the church is that pastor's church. Mm. It, so, you,
1: it becomes too closely connected to that person. Um, great point, yes. Absolutely. That's a, great, that's a great way to say it. Yeah, be, yeah Tony. You Yes, what, uh, ben, the, 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 uh, what Ben was saying was that when some cases when you have a single pastor, uh, it, it, the, the, it becomes their church, right? It becomes, the church becomes so associated with them um, because they're the only person, or at least the only person that anyone knows. Uh, maybe, maybe functionally they have other elders, but it's like, well, whose church is this? Oh, it's this guy's. You know, it's like, well, when you have a plurality of elders and shepherds, um, you help mitigate that effect. Yeah, Tony. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, unfortunately, it became the norm. So it really kind of depends what denomination you're talking about. So like a Catholic situation, which is probably you're not Southern, So that's the one where it is the norm. Yeah, that that is the one where it is the. I don't know much about. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not. I, I can't speak for the Pentecostal polity, but certainly in the Southern Baptist churches, and I went to a Southern Baptist seminary, if you're wondering. Uh, if you weren't aware. Um, Deacons, the, the kind of the deacon-led church, uh, partially due to tradition, um, has has really dominated in that in that denomination. Um, if I'm honest, I don't know why. Maybe someone else here might know better than me. I really don't know. Uh, but for example, in all like Presbyterian denominations, all the P- the PCA, for example, uh, they've had elders through and through the whole time, right? Um, your Church of Christ models. They all have it. It operates a little bit differently, uh, but the Church of Christ is heavy elder uh, position, heavy elder um, presence there on the leadership team. Uh, of course, you have a, a plenty of your uh, non-denominational, like Acts 29 kind of churches. All of those uh, are, have elders, elder-led. A lot of and most of the... Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean in 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 terms of explaining each case of why it is, I don't know. I mean, usually the case, you usually the explanation in those kind of cases is tradition. This is just how we've done it. Uh how 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 that got how that cart got on that path. I don't I don't know. For each, and it could be a different story with each denomination. It could have been, well, this role was this, and then it kind of morphed into this for practical considerations, and then so on and so forth. Uh, yeah, perhaps, perhaps so. But needless to say, well, I mean, you said it, it. It does seem, it does seem very clear, just right here on the pages of the New Testament, that so the plurality of, of the elders is what kind of the, the, the fullest, completest expression uh, of a local church should have. Not to be confused with saying that there's something wrong or sinful well, without that. Anything else? Any other questions? Good comments, good questions. Do you
0: think yeah.
1: any association elders in the New and elders in the synagogue? Yes, I do. I, I, I certainly think that there would have been uh, Yeah, almost everyone who who um, looks at some of these passages in particular, I think associates the two, uh, this would have been very normal. People would have just expected, oh, of course there's elders. Of course there's elders. There were Jewish elders in the, I mean, there were pre-Christian elders, right? There's a rich tradition of elders in, in Judaism in synagogue, uh, and synagogue life. And so you have, and even in the Old Testament, it's not even. It's not presented as like a formal position. You got like a high priest or whatever, like what? what how do you be an elder in the, Old Testament, uh, there, there's not like some a, a, a list of criterion for it, but elders emerged as leaders in the uh, in the Jewish community, and so when you have the suggestion of elders coming up in the New Testament, no one would be like, "Oh no, this is like unheard of! Wow, what a novel concept!" Like, no, we under we understand this. Just this is going to Christian version of elder. Does that does that help answer? Is it your question? Okay, good. All right, well, let's go ahead and dive in then. Um, minutes to the qualifications for the office of elder if you have your bible turn with me to first timothy chapter three. First timothy chapter three one of two lists here one of two lists and we're going to go through the first timothy three list first because the titus list very 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 similar with a couple of exceptions um and so, I want, so let's just briefly walk through this passage. I'm going to try to make some observations and uh, ask any questions that come up. And then I'm going to talk about, it probably won't get to next time, some assumptions behind some of these passages. Some assumptions. And You might ask questions about, well, why is this not in here as a requirement? What about this? What's the difference between being a good fit to be an elder in a particular church and being qualified to be an elder, period? We're going to talk about some of those things as well. Okay, but in 1 Timothy 3.1, Paul, writing to Timothy, remember, at Ephesus, and he says, This saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires, which is the same word that could be translated lusts, yearns for, the office of overseer, office of elder, he desires a noble task. Okay, so you, the, the elder needs to aspire to do so. And you remember in 1 Peter chapter 5, it is the elder who is supposed to serve not out of compulsion, but willingly. It's not a pastor who's mailing it in for a paycheck because there's too late for a career change and they're just kind of trying to stick it out. The, an elder needs to as, aspire. They want to, They want to be in this role of responsibility. Okay, he desires a good thing. This is a good thing to aspire to Paul says. He says, therefore, an overseer must be first above reproach. The idea here is not someone who is perfect, but I think, actually, I'm stealing this illustration from Stephen now that I'm thinking about it. Um, it's like you have, I used to rock climb, and sometimes you have these, like, awesome handholds that you find that you're like, oh, man, I could hold my whole body up with just this one. And then sometimes you have these little credit card size, like, finger holds. And for people who weigh as much as me, like, those don't work. You know, Uh, So I need like, I remember the relief of climbing up and having these tiny little things and putting my toes and on these little, and then finally getting like this ledge, you know, it's all got pull up bar handle. It's like, oh man, this is great. The idea of being above reproach, I think, is something like there, when you look at this person's life, is it, is it a perfectly smooth rock wall? No, 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 no. But are there any uh, is there anything that you can grab onto big time in their life and say, "Oh man, that is really out of line with with christ the the being above approach, the idea is you 're going to have just the, the the thin finger holds uh, and, and you 're not going to have these huge handles sticking out of the rock uh, to to carry on the analogy there. not perfect, but i 'm not able to gain a handhold of sin in this person 's life. I can see that I can see that 's imperfect." I can see, but I can't put a ton of I can't hold my weight on that, okay? Because this this man is above reproach. He's above reproach, not to be confused with perfection. He must be continuing the husband of one wife, literally a one woman man. Now the debate here is: Does this refer to a man who's faithful to his wife, or a man who's only had one wife? Okay, so there's discussions. Well, can a divorced man ever be an elder? Well, if you um, and then, of course, you have to say well if a, if a man 's wife dies and he, and he 's married to another woman, can he not so the the way I think that by far the best way to understand it is someone who is faithful to their spouse, a one woman man okay um, whether, you, whether whether we can we can have conversations about a divorced person being a, an elder uh, but but what seems to me to be the case for a variety of reasons, including the context there in Ephesus and, and I would say even the construction is that someone who's faithful to their spouse, they're not engaged in philandering, they're not open to charges of polyg- polygamy, that so, they are they are faithful. They are faithful um to the wife of their youth, okay? Um and certainly yeah, it would it, w- it would rule out someone who was any of those things. Someone who was a philanderer, someone who was uh engaged in polygamy something like that. Any questions about the husband of one wife there? I get the I'm uh, I'm yeah, go ahead. Yes. We're, and that's one of the things we're going to get to when I said, when we talk about some of the assumptions, we'll talk about the same thing it says manage your own household well. What if you don't even have any, what if you don't have kids? Can you not be an elder? You know, if there's not a, so we're going to talk about some of the background assumptions with some of these things. For example, the husband of one wife seems to assume an elder needs to be a man, which is certainly uh, accurate. We're, but, but we're going to, uh, there's some things here that are kind of assumed right beneath the surface that we're going to make explicit as we move through. But yeah. Any other questions about the husband of one wife? A man who is faithful to their spouse. Not the perfect husband, but they are loyal, they are faithful in in pursuit of that woman. Okay, so as we're continuing on through, husband of one wife. Next is sober-minded. Now, this actually can mean temperate with regards to alcohol, this Greek word. But because that's explicitly... Teased out in verse 3, not a drunkard. It probably Most most interpreters here take more of a figurative or a, or a larger view of sober-mindedness. Not sober-minded just from substance, but sober-minded. This person is a non... They're not a sensationalistic thinker. Okay, Their agenda doesn't change every time the wind blows. They're able to think clearly about things. Uh, they are not mastered by the, the most recent fad or the most recent whatever the case may be. They are able to be sober-minded even under pressure, perhaps even when they're taking criticism, taking fire, where they're fighting off wolves. They're able to keep a clear and sober mind in doing those things. And related to that, and that's the next—related to that is self-control. An elder should have discipline. An elder should be very good at saying no to their desires when they're wrong or when they're just different than what that elder has planned for a particular day or month or strategy or whatever— Discipline. The idea—discipline uh, always has to do with being able to say no to particular desires. You want to be able to resist those things, or you need to do things that you d- desire not to do. So I say I desire not to exercise like I do almost every day that I exercise. Like, hmm, how can I get out of this one? And then I'm like, nope, we gotta move, We got to move forward here. Um, discipline. So discipline and self-control— Uh, And and certainly that is going to affect almost every other area here, because if you don't have discipline and self-control, what are your chances of doing any of these other things well? Right. I mean, if you don't have self-control, how can you be a really a faithful husband? Right. If you don't have self-control, how are how are you not going to be a a drunkard or or you're not going to be violent, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, an elder is someone who has disciplined They have the ability to live a a disciplined life, and when their desires are conflicting, uh, they have the ability to hold the line and and have the holy desires, righteous desires, or the desires that just they have planned to to win out. Um, An elder needs to be respectable, respectable. This person needs to be just well, the the word, something like well thought of. Uh, Well behaved is a little bit too simple um perhaps something like virtuous would be a good way to think about it but i i I think practically one way to get at it is this is someone who you wouldn't be embarrassed uh to you wouldn't be embarrassed to introduce them to anyone you know it wouldn't be like oh no i'm just so scared that they're gonna like you know do something that's gonna embarrass me and i'm gonna have to say here's my pastor and then they say something like oh my god um this person is respectable okay um And they probably have a good reputation. They probably have a good reputation and a good brand, not only in that church, but in whatever communities they happen to inhabit. Elder needs to be respectable. They also need to be, next, hospitable. Uh, The the idea of hospitable here is is kindness and self-sacrifice in personal interactions. Uh, And and particularly in uh, in, in inviting countenance that says, I want people in with me. I want to be, I want people to be among me, to be with me. And that's where you get the idea of having people into your home, especially. Okay. Yes, sir. No, 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 no. Sorry. That's the. Oh, but I was going to get, oh, sorry. You know what? I did put this up there for y'all though. There. This is the text. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. So hospitable is this person kind? Is this person have a, Is this person inviting? Um, I, I don't. I don't think you can be an elder and not be a people person because you're shepherding people. Uh, I, I am against the role of the like board of directors kind of elder that makes decisions and never interacts with the people actually carrying them out or doing anything like that. Um, it seems to me that an elder needs to be someone someone who loves people and is inviting to people into their life, into their home. Uh, they display a self-sacrificial kindness. Sometimes when hosting people, it, sometimes it's annoying having people into your home. And you're like, well, but the, we need to be hospitable here. We want to show kindness. And that's what Paul tells Timothy, that an elder needs to display this kind uh, of kindness. That, uh, that they're to whatever extent they are not a social light which is a very different thing Th- that area of their life does not is that is not an obstacle to minister to people okay i probably could have said that a little bit better but so, so it's not like an elder has to be like the life of the party okay or like this really socially gifted whatever but it's the idea that uh, they need they, – they, they do not need to communicate to people that they don't want to be around them or they don't want people in their life. That's the idea here, okay, particularly coming into their home. Um, okay, whoops, I touched the screen like it was going to pop up, like I just told Tony it wasn't. Um, the elder – and this is where you get one of the, the, the giftedness or the skilled qualifications because as it's been pointed out many times and I'll point out again – Um, what is remarkable about this list for elders is how unremarkable in one sense that it is. I mean, does anyone else not want to try to be respectable or self-controlled or sober-minded? It's like, okay, isn't that just like what every Christian should strive for? It's like, yeah. Able to teach, however, is a different story. The the able to teach, able to instruct. And uh, let me just, just be very clear here because there's been some confusion on this in the past that able to teach does not mean able to preach, preach, caruso, proclaim, okay, to be a preacher, to be a public teacher. That's what I primarily do. That's what Stephen primarily does. Uh, well, primarily. That, that we are the ones who, when it's done here, we are the ones who primarily do it. Um, but look at the Titus passage, because I put it up there by accident. It, it worked out well here. Listen, to, look at that last sentence. He must hold firm the trustworthy word is taught so that he may be able to give instruction and sound doctrine and also rebuke those who contradict it. OK, that's a great that's a great way to tease out what it means to be able to teach. It doesn't mean that you're a good order. It doesn't mean that you're a great preacher. Can you teach the, the truth of the gospel in a small group setting? Are you able to sit down with people and explain? Can you do, can you defend a doctrine? Can you refute uh, things that set themselves up against Christ? And uh, that is the requirement for an elder because they're in this particular role as a shepherd of the flock of God, okay? And so they handle the, they have the primary responsibility for teaching in the church and therefore they obviously have to be able to teach. Now, able to teach, again, I've mentioned the distinction between preaching and teaching, but it doesn't, it also does not mean that you have to be world-class at this. I think sometimes people make this, like to, to be able to teach means like you have to be not just able to teach, but like amazing at teaching. I, I don't see that. I don't see that. You don't have to be a world-class or, you know, a cut above. I'm, I, I'm a person who teaches, pre, you know, teaches teachers how to preach. And I'm, I'm a cream of the crop teacher, and I know all the best practices and all the, you know, pedagogical books about how to do this and that. Um, I don't see that. An elder needs to be able to teach, and hopefully that elder will grow in role, over time, and they will become better and better and better. Um, but there's always going to be degrees of giftedness uh, in the church, even among those who are, for example, able to teach. Yes, sir, do you have a quick question? Uh, an elder is just like a pastor. Yeah, pastor, we're using the word. We're, we're... Mm. Um. Mm, I'm so sorry to hear that. That sounds really bad. I'm 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 so sorry to hear that. That's really tough, man. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing. I'm glad you're here. Let's continue on after able not able or excuse me able to teach we have not a drunkard not a drunkard, someone who is given to much wine. Is this person someone who regularly allows their mind to be overcome by intoxicated, uh, intoxicating substances? Okay, uh, and when I say overcome, I don't mean affected in any kind of way. I mean overcome. A drunkard is this someone who is a slave to the bottle, for example, okay, uh, or any other mind-altering substance would be in the in the category here of what Paul is saying and how they would have understood that. Um, not violent, but gentle is the next one. Now, this is not a warning against. Make sure an elder is not a guy who's getting into fist fights all the time. Okay, that's not it. Um, but this is the, the, the violent person. Notice how it's contrasted with gentle. It's not like the fighter versus the pacifist. It's not, we're not talking about that. Some, a, a violent elder um, is, is someone who is abrasive. They lead with a heavy hand. They thrive, it seems, on the battle. They don't know how to exist in peacetime. There's always someone to refute. There's always some controversy to step into. Um, and they go in and they contend for the faith. And they demolish arguments that set them. And of course they quote Paul and Jude. Well, they do all that, those things. But it's the idea of, of a man who is socially violent. Now certainly, you, if you were physically violent, that would also count. But it's more than that. Okay? It's not a. It's, this is a pugnacious, socially pugnacious kind of of a person, abrasive, heavy hand, dominates, and it says, no, 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 that can't be a pastor. A pastor has to be gentle. A shepherd has to be gentle with with the sheep, because if you're not, there will be, because of just the nature of the role, you will end up destroying yourself and other people, and probably both if you're not, because. Because because sometimes you're going to get very frustrated as a pastor, and sometimes sheep bite the shepherd and all the rest of it. And if you're not a gentle, this man's not gentle. Things aren't going to go well. He's not going to be a good shepherd of the flock. So Paul tells Timothy, a man must not be violent, but he must not. Uh, but excuse me, but he must be gentle. Well, we're one minute over time, so I need to close again. I do apologize for being late this morning. What we'll do next time, we'll come back, we'll wrap up. Uh, the qualifications, and then we're going to talk about process, and I'm going to, in our particular church, how we do particular things, including the voting process, and hopefully we'll land the plane uh, discussing elders uh, next Sunday, okay? All right, let's pray. God, we're thankful for the opportunity to discuss this role that, that you have uh, appointed for the church, shepherds to to guide and to lead and to protect. We're thankful that in your wisdom, um, you have guarded this role with such criterion and qualifications. And um, Lord, I pray as an elder myself and pray for Stephen and Ben, uh, that we would be men who embody these things. And that um, it doesn't seem like a joke up here for me to be teaching these things that, that, that people would say, yes, I can I can see I can see that in Tyler. I can see that in Stephen. I can see that in, in Ben as we seek to carry out this task. So thank you for the time. We pray that you would give us grace, and we pray that you would be with us uh, in our next hour of worship. In the name of Jesus, amen.